0: Hey Rumcasters! if Will and I sound a little different than usual this episode, do not adjust your headphones. Will was battling some fierce allergies when we recorded, and I somehow managed to forget to turn on my studio microphone for this recording session, leaving my laptop mic to make up for that. So uh, we think the episode still sounds plenty good enough to release and that you'll enjoy it, uh, though you might hear some slight differences in our voices, and we wanted to give you a quick heads up. Okay, on to the show. Hey there, Rumcasters. We're back with another installment of the Rumcast, the podcast that talks exclusively about all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. My name is John Gullah, and with me to talk rum, as always, is Will Hookinga. We've got a great episode for you today with Mai Thai expert, Kevin Crossman. But before we get to that interview, Will, tell me what's in your glass lately.
1: What's in my glass right now is a freshly drained Mai Tai, uh, which I'll talk about during the interview. We just wrapped up the interview with Kevin Crossman. It was great. Uh, We talked all things Mai Tais, but I wanted to share a a little laugh that I had. Partially at your expense. I haven't told you about this yet, but I was waiting for you to refer to this podcast as a program during the intro and you didn't. So, you know, you kind of didn't set me up properly. But, you know, avid listeners will know I've been picking at you a bit at this for referring to the show as a program, which I find to be very old fashioned sounding. But I was sitting on my couch watching something the other night. I don't remember what it was, but you know, those progressive uh, insurance commercials that are on right now with the guy Mm -hmm. who helps homeowners who are turning into their parents, like not sound like their parents. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but those commercials are like hilarious to me. I always laugh at them, (laughs) but there's one where he, you know, he's coaching them on things and he there's, there's a line where they're sitting around a TV and he goes, they're not programs, they're TV shows. And the first thing I thought of was you. I know he was talking about TV shows, but I feel like we can apply that to podcasts as well. They're not programs, they're shows, they're podcasts, they're whatever. Um, you know, but I had to throw that at you uh, right here, right off the bat, before we get into this episode. But
0: I'm not even going to lie, you're the second person to tell me that.
1: <laughs> yes, well, whoever the other person was... Uh, high five. High five to you from me.
0: My kids actually pointed oh, that nice. out when it came on. They're like, Dad, that's you. You're, <laughs> I was wait, like, so you oh, no. Wait, no. no was, they heard it on the commercial and they yes, said that about you? Yes. Oh yes, they heard it on the commercial. And it wasn't about the program reference. It was another one. Oh, but it's the it's same be...
1: series. Okay, okay, And they were I like, gotcha.
0: that's dad, that's dad. So yes, you're the second person to now tell me that apparently I have a I'm getting old and you did buy a house not too long ago.
1: I know it wasn't the first uh, home you had purchased, but but you went through a remodel. And so yeah, you're you're, you're turning into your parents. It's, it's Will, okay, I'm
0: gardening okay. right now. This is a thing. I'm gardening. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> you know, it happens. Fortunately, rum is around to keep us alive and young, right?
1: That's right. That's right. So rum is is around. Rum is great. We're going to talk about rum on the show. We're going to talk about the Mai Tai, which longtime listeners will know is a drink that had a lot to do with me finding my way into the the rum world, kind of tumbling down the Mm -hmm. rum rabbit hole. Before we get into that, though, you know, one of the things we want to try to do with this show is to To hopefully talk about rums that we think are interesting, help people find their way, navigate the rum world, find interesting stuff to try and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So a lot of times we share things we've been drinking lately, almost all of the time. That is stuff that you and I, you know, have just purchased ourselves. Uh, occasionally distilleries, brands, whatever, will send us stuff. And anytime, you know, we share something that has been provided to us in that way, we like to be transparent about it and just say, you know, hey, this isn't stuff that we bought, this is stuff that was sent to us. So giving you all the full details, but, you know, sometimes we get, we don't always share everything that's sent to us, but um, we we got a box of rum goodies from the folks at Kohana Distiller's uh, that is on Oahu in Hawaii. Really interesting distillery. Uh, it's it's one of the, the the kind of handful or what I like to call kind of the new wave of American rum distilleries yeah. that are growing their own sugarcane, distilling rum from sugarcane juice. And that's one of the things that's really exciting to me about the category of American rum are these producers that are, are growing sugarcane uh, in different, different parts of the country. You'll find it in places you don't always expect. I mean, Hawaii, it kind of goes hand in hand there, but there's yeah. also places in uh, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia... Um, so you'll find some unexpected uh, sugarcane rums out there. But this one, um, it was interesting to us. Uh, we they, they they sent us uh, some some samples of five different rums. And we wanted to talk about it because, A, you know, it's interesting in just the setup of what the distillery is. You know, there aren't that many producers in the U.S. distilling rum from fresh sugarcane juice that they grow themselves. So, hey, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But, B, we we both enjoyed the rum and just wanted to kind of share our impressions and thoughts on it. But I think one of the things that we were both – really curious about with this rum was Kohana has one thing that they kind of put front and center about their approach is it's all about the sugarcane varietals so they use a number of kind of heirloom hawaiian sugarcane varietals some of some of the varietals that were brought to hawaii you know over a thousand years ago from pacific islanders that brought sugarcane from you know the south pacific all the way across the pacific ocean to the hawaiian islands sugarcane wasn't native to hawaii it was brought there and you know they they worked with someone at the University of Hawaii to kind of like find the right varietals and stuff. And so part of their philosophy is really focusing in on each varietal and the unique flavor notes, etc. The impact it makes on the rum. So. Mm-hmm they take the same distillation approach, but everything is single varietal. So they're trying to like weed isolate out the all- variable. Exactly. Yeah. Isolate yeah. the variables so that the only variable is the varietal sugarcane. So they're distilling it the same way, they're fermenting it the same way, trying to do everything the same way, except that that one variable in the equation, other yep. than time, obviously, yep. yeah. is, is the sugarcane varietal. And this was a, a question that, that I've had for a while because I've heard- so many conflicting opinions on this from Distillers from producers from yeah. from rum, rum enthusiasts yeah 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 of like how much of a difference does the sugarcane varietal make on the final product as opposed to fermentation distillation methods things all like those that. other yeah. yeah yeah how much is using a different varietal really going to change what you taste in the glass at the end mm-hmm. of the day and i i've talked to i've talked to experienced distillers who ha- have worked with multiple sugarcane juice or sugarcane varietals to make a sugarcane juice rum and i've had some of them tell me i really don't think the varietal makes all that much of a difference whatsoever and, and i've you know had others obviously who feel very different differently and that the varietal mm-hmm. makes a big difference and so one of the cool things about getting these rums from kohana was that three of them uh, were unaged fresh cane juice rums from three distinctly different cane varietals. And so we had this opportunity to kind of sit down, you and I did, um, and kind of taste them back to back to back and really kind of sort through our feelings and be like, do we detect different things there? And um, so it was a really cool experience. What were kind of your key takeaways from the experience with these runs?
0: So first thing I'll say is is this this is the best algebra experiment ever, right? (laughs) This is rum algebra that they're doing with isolating the variables. Isolate the variables and
1: and solve for x.
0: Exactly. And I had uh, fun doing it. One of the coolest things, like you mentioned, is just can you detect the real big differences from the different varietals? They're mm-hmm. labeled on the bottle there. So you get to see not only the, the varietal of cane, but when it was produced. They give yeah. you the, the date. The harvest. As well. and, yeah, um, the harvest date, right. Because you have to expect that even some varietals may have some variety, I guess, maybe, right? Within yeah, themselves. seasonal
2: changes. Seasonal, like right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that that was really, really good approach that they're taking. So what was fun about doing that, Will, is that we, we got to do that together. Together over zoom and and get our our own takes on it so here's here's what i thought i'll start by saying when we first did it together i found i detected a little bit of difference between the three Mm -hmm. and i did have a favorite
1: and 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 to to point out the three varietals that we had because i know some listeners out there have probably maybe been to kohana or or maybe they have some bottles at, at their house um so the three cane varietals that we had were kea Mahaiula and Pakawele were the. I'm the glad
0: three you them. said them. Thank <laughs> you.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm not gonna vouch for my own, you know, <laughs> abilities at Hawaiian pronunciations. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm at least 50% of the way there with all of those. We'll see. Yeah.
0: But yeah, th- those three varietals are are what we had to experience. And I, I'll say right up front, that the kea. Mm-hmm. uh was definitely my favorite of the 3. I thought it had the right balance of the sweetness versus the the grassiness there from the fresh pressed cane juice. It mm-hmm. really really is good. But what I was going to point out to you is well I think when we tasted them together I found that there were just subtle differences. Yeah. And I want to say that you felt the same that I did.
1: Yeah, to me it was yeah. it was actually it was interesting. I felt like I detected the more pronounced differences on the nose particularly with the pacawele. That one for me had this like salty cured meat kind of note to it that was just like turned up to 11 on that one on the nose as opposed to the other ones. It was much more dialed back. But, and, and the other interesting thing is you got a lot of that like briny, pungent, punchiness on the nose from all three of them Mm -hmm. and i found on the palate there was much tamer than i expected based on the nose uh you know a little bit of grass um but 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 really a lot more of that just kind of nice sweetness like a little bit of bubble gum from them Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. fresh tasting but not as much of those like you know aggressive kind of pungent funkier notes that i got on the nose but I, the, I would agree with you that I felt like the differences were subtle, particularly for me between the Kea and the Mahaiula varietals mm-hmm. felt pretty close. But that Pakawele, which is the one that I mentioned on the nose, stood out the most. That one on the palate as well felt pretty distinct to me from the other two, where I described yeah. those as having subtle differences. Mm-hmm. That one was more kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm dealing. So, like, my key takeaway was... I, I guess, like, if I have to put myself on one camp, it's like I. It seems to me like there's something to this different varietals giving you different stuff in the run that you make, uh, even with when that's the only thing changed. Like, I think there's something to that, and it's actually interesting. Mm -hmm. I forgot about this, but uh, we talked about this with Francisco from Paranubes on the previous episode. He talked about how uh, Jose Luis, their distiller down there in Oaxaca, surprised them. He usually does a blend of, I think, four different cane varietals in Mm -hmm. Paranubes. And he uh, was like, hey, I decided to just use one of these varietals. And one of the questions I had for Francisco was like, how much, like, did it taste distinctly different? And he said, absolutely. You can go back and listen to the episode if you didn't catch that one. Right. Uh, it was it was great for a number of reasons, but that was one part of the conversation. And, and Francisco was like, yeah, definitely makes a big difference. So, yeah. that's that's where I am with the whole thing.
0: So, uh, the only thing I'll follow up with and say was, I agree with you. That's where I was when we started and did our exercise together, which was not blind. We just, you know, tasted through them. Right. I went back and I did the blind test with the three of them. Oh, okay. And nice. And so, what I found there in doing that was I did feel like the second time through, I did get a slightly more pronounced, I, again, not worlds apart, uh-huh. but slightly more pronounced different in doing the blind taste. Yeah. And so I, I agree with you. Like you just said, I think you encapsulated perfectly. I have to feel like there is something to this. You know, we don't know, of course, the whole background of everything. And we're we're trusting that Kohana is doing the very best job, which I believe they are, to isolate the variable, as we said. Right. But, but I think with that in mind, I do feel like this is sort of... Um, I don't want to say uncharted territory is not right, but maybe a new frontier that rum can look and get into in different places where you can grow these different varietals and have some different expressions on those rather than just a single variety. Of course, I think there's there's more to be said for consistency too in product, right? So we know that some some rums are going to want to have consistency above all else. And I think that's also a good goal. But I do love the idea here of exploring some of the different varietals. And even if, Will, it's a... difference or 5% difference Mm. in the different varietals. And most of it does still come from the process of distillation and all the variables that are there. Mm. But even if there's this small variable, I still think it's a really cool idea for people to explore. And I applaud Kohana for doing it. I think that they're onto something.
1: Yeah, and, and I definitely, you know, there there are you do see this some on a larger scale from some of the rum agricole producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Clomont has has done some single varietal expressions. Some of the other Martinique producers right. have as well. So,
0: oh, and that that's a good point, Will, because you know if you're molasses, that's an added step that's probably taking away from some of the differences you would get. Whereas in a fresh, fresh cane juice rum, you are going to pick up on more of the varietal, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think so. Like I, I if you're going to do like uh, like single varietal molasses or something where it's like molasses yeah. but it all came from one cane varietal, I don't I think those yeah. differences are going to be mm-hmm. kind of Minimal. taken mm-hmm. out through the the, right. the sugar refining process, but yeah. uh, I mean I do think there are there, there are differences that you get from different grades of molasses, you know, different mm-hmm. uh, molasses is, molasses molasses. <laughs> What's the, pre- the plural? Molasses. Um, you know, a, a molasses that is, has been like a blackstrap molasses versus a, a molasses that hasn't been as, as processed as much. Sometimes those are yeah. called like grade A or whatever, but they have different right. levels of fermentable sugars. You're, you're going to get different stuff from those. But yeah, I, I, I sure. think the, the idea of single varietals is interesting to me. And I, I think I think at the end of the day, what, what rum consumers want to, to know uh, is like how much of this is is legit versus how much of it is just kind of mar- you know marketing. a cool marketing mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. and I, I think for me there is something there, and yeah, I, I would look at those releases, you know whether they come from a, a small newer producer like Kohana that is doing everything based around that concept versus a a producer that's that's been at it for for a long time and has a long history like Clement or something. I like I think they're worthy uh, approaches and it's something that's interesting to me as a consumer and that's that's just kind of what I, what I wanted to share with people
0: mm-hmm. and
1: give a give them our two cents on that's just the experience yeah. that I had and uh, I'd love to hear from any of the listeners out there like if, if you've if you've done some of like a similar kind of varietal taste test uh send us an email host at rumcast.com let us know what your impressions are let us know if if uh, if you Totally disagree with us, and and you think it's all marketing noise. I want to hear. <laughs> uh, we're we're here for all the all the takes across the, the 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 spectrum of experiences. So so let us know what you think.
0: One thing I don't want people to sleep on is the Coho. Aged expression. Oh, I didn't even oh, mention the aged Oh man, yeah. that was that is really good at that, that is my jam right there too. So that is don't the people out there don't sleep on that coho. They're that's a really really great uh, expression that they have of select aged uh, barrel. That was excellent as well. So yeah,
1: my, my kind of impressions of the aged. Um, it's the the coho which is aged, uh, it's, it's somewhere in the the, the two-year range. I think it was a, a blend. The one that we had was a, a blend of seven, di- seven different barrels. Some of them were new, not used American oak. Some of them yeah. were used, and it was kind of a, a blend of those barrels. But it was the same varietal that went into all of them. And uh, it's interesting because... Uh, it's super drinkable. I, I like all that kind of fresh cane juice character for me in the the age was like a little bit muted. like the, the mm-hmm. there's definitely a strong oak influence. Um, and, and so I, I, I was craving a little bit more of that kind of like wild, fresh cane feeling in it. Mm. Um, which, which I think when you use that new American Oak, it's going to, to dominate that a little bit, but, but also you have to think about with these younger distilleries, like having an aged product for people is super important and you know, they can't sit around and wait for a five year aged expression. So, you know, when you use that new Oak, you're going to get a lot of that Oak character, Earlier Definitely. on in the aging process, and and like you said, it's it's super drinkable, um, a, a good rum. And uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see as they kind of evolve and get older, if if the new oak gets a little bit dialed back with some of the more used oak. So we get a, more of that, that that character from the cane and those aged releases. I'd love to see that. But um, yeah, super, super cool distillery. I need to visit there. I, I've got I, I I love Hawaii, but I've actually never been to o- Oahu before. So it's on my list now. Got to get there oh, someday. I got to get there too. Yeah, we'll I make it a like cast need... expedition.
0: There you go. And we need to have some Mai Tais <laughs> with some, some nice Ohana rum there. Exactly. You just it all together. It, you
1: brought it full circle. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I am really excited for for listeners to hear this interview with Kevin. Um there is a bit of a Hawaii connection. Mm-hmm. Uh Kevin mentions the first mai tai he ever had was in Hawaii. Uh, I had the same experience. My first mai tai was in Hawaii. So, yeah, I I'm excited for people to hear this and I'm I'm expecting and hoping to get people share your go-to at-home mai tai recipe with us. Uh we we'd love to like I don't know, maybe like uh, share that with us, whether it's on social media or sending us an email at host at rumcast.com. Let us know how you make your Mai Tai. We'd love to hear that and, and maybe share uh, some of those recipes on a, on a future episode. Um, well, with that said, we'll get to the, the interview with Kevin now and uh, enjoy, everyone.
0: If you're listening to our show right now, there are six words about rum that are likely to catch your eye. Single barrel, cask strength, and no additives. Those six words are the whole premise of the single cast rum releases from Holmes Key, the sponsor for this episode of the Rumcast. Holmes Key seeks out the world's best rums and releases them unadulterated and at cask strength in limited editions. Check out their website at holmeskey.com to learn more about their new 2021 releases, distilled at places like Foursquare in Barbados, Demerara Distillers in Guyana, Travelers Liquors in Belize, and Clarendon Distillery in Jamaica. Also, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for more exciting 2021 releases coming up very soon. You can find out more at homeskey.com. that's H-O-L-M-E-S-C-A-Y.com.
1: Now back to the show. All right, so we are here with Kevin Crossman, the creator, founder of UltimateMyTie.com the search for the ultimate Mai Tai. I've been really excited about this because, Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but the Mai Tai was kind of my gateway into the rum world, was, you know, I had a Mai Tai in Hawaii, and I wanted to look up how to make one at home, and that's where I first saw the idea of like a Jamaican rum and a Martinique rum and that kind of like led me uh, tumbling down the whole rum rabbit hole. So the Mai Tai has a special place in my heart as I know it does yours as well. Uh, So I've been really excited about this and I wanted to actually throw a a curveball your way. I didn't tell you that I actually have a Mai Tai sitting right here that I've prepared and I want to get just your no holds barred. I'm just going to show you what the Mai Tai looks like. And I want you to give me the thumbs up, good homemade Mai Tai, or thumbs down, just strictly based on visuals. Okay. So I'm going to carefully kind of bring it into the camera here. So just judging on visuals alone, how did I do? Don't hold back. And welcome to the show, by the way.
2: Pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, you guys have got a great podcast. Now, In Thank terms you. of your Mai Tai, you've got a good double old-fashioned glass. Looks like it's got a lot of crushed ice in it. Yes. Topped with the spent lime shell of the lime uh, and a straw. That's no right. No mint. I know. Now, some I Some purists will say that the mint is essential. My opinion is that if you're at a high-quality uh, cocktail bar, tiki bar, someplace like that, that those kinds of garnishes are really important. But if you're making it home, if you don't have mint, it's not the end of the world and you should not feel bad about it.
1: Okay, then, you know, that makes me that's like a huge wave of relief because I rarely have mint at that. Like I love the mint garnish on the Mai Tai and I agree that it sends it to a whole nother level but like I rarely have it at home. And so I always feel like a little sheepish sitting over here. Like I do the spent lime shell and like, i I make sure to have a proper amount of crushed ice in there. But you know, there's always a little bit of guilt not having the mint. So I feel a little bit validated now that I, I I got the thumbs up from, uh, from ultimate Mai Tai. So I'm feeling good on that.
2: Fresh lime juice is a thousand times more important than mint in, in any cocktail. Uh, maybe except a mojito, maybe. But um, if certainly for Mai Tai, the fresh fresh lime is always going to be a better choice.
1: Well, you'll never find non-fresh lime juice in my Mai Tai. So you don't have to worry about me on that front. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, so I, just to kind of jump in and get started, as I said, you have the website com. I'm curious to know, like, what about the Mai Tai specifically maybe over other cocktails kind of grabbed your attention so much that you you know decided to go all in and do an entire website kind of trying to document the process of hunting down the best Mai Tai and and also your website is more than that I'd encourage people to go check it out like you've got some great pages on the history of the Mai Tai you got some great interviews and stuff from over the years so um, because you started it if I'm correct all the way back in 1998 so give us like the 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 backstory of you know what what uh, made you kind of dive in and, and fully pursue the Mai Tai to this degree.
2: Yeah, it's a long story, a little bit. But it, it's interesting, <laughs> you know, back in the 90s, people were creating websites for all kinds of crazy things. And I had a few, the lip anonymous site, as was for quite a while my main claim to fame. I was the subject of a two-part investigative report in the daily show about lip balm addiction and it got really? some notoriety. Oh yeah. And so uh, I, well, like I had so you, many
1: questions now, but I'll let you keep going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I was making all kinds of crazy websites back then because it was the, you know, the wild west of the web and, yeah. everything. and it was just for fun. And like you, I had gone to Hawaii and this was actually before I was drinking, we went on a boat trip and everyone had my ties on the way over to Lanai and everyone Ooh. was having such a great time. And then on the way back, was a lot of like people laying very still. And it was something about that Mai my tie though. And as I got, grew older, it became the sort of quintessential drink. And as I got into the tiki scene through the music side, because you know, exotic music and lounge music became, it was kind of big and coming back in the nineties. Okay, My um, type, it kind of became the, the sample drink that you would always have at the, at the tiki bar if you went there, but Especially in those days, it was really hard to get a good one. And so I thought, hey, let's put together a little website just for fun to see where we can get the best Mai Tai and give people a little bit of education about uh, you know, their actual Trader Vic's recipe and all those kinds of things. And so the website started back then in in the late 90s, and it was sort of a, a little way where you could submit reviews. And okay. you could sort reviews by, you know, region or by rating and that sort of thing.
1: So it was kind of like a proto Yelp for my ties, <laughs>
2: Kind of like that, yeah. Okay. Or Kritiki, Goodness, for a pe- better. The, well, the Kritiki fans, okay. Kritiki yeah. would be, we'd be uh, more familiar. Mm-hmm. And, but it was very low tech in the way it was put together. And I was, I'm not a programmer. And so, uh, and then I started having kids and had some other interests. I got into sort of some movie stuff in the, in the early 2000s. And the sort of, the website sort of, kind of dropped and i was not totally into the rum and and all that sort of stuff although i'd still go to tiki bars on occasion okay and then as my 50th birthday was coming up i thought it'd be time to have a big party and why not theme it hawaii 5-0 yeah for the anniversary you know birthday and i started getting back more into into the um the tiki stuff the rum stuff mm-hmm. and of course this is about three or four years ago now. And by then, now we're in the renaissance of having all these great rums be available uh, in the ways that they were never available in the late nineties, early two thousands where right, you had right. Appleton yeah. and that was kind of it for like good Jamaican rum. That was easy to get. And a lot of really bad rums lot of lot more coconut rums and all that sort of flavor stuff flavored, that you yeah. then you see now you know in, in even places like mainstream places like Bevmo and and Total Wine. So I decided to get back into it and I started it with an Instagram account and with the idea that if I want to get serious about this, let's see if I can do a post a day at, sort of as a mini blog diary type of thing about okay. what I'm doing hey, I just bought this new rum, let's give it a tasting review or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to this tiki bar for the first time in five years or a new tiki bar that I've ever been to and doing reviews. And so when I started that a few years ago, I I challenged myself to do it every day and it was pretty consistent. And then everyone kept telling me, you got to have a blog, you got to have a blog so that, you know, when media comes calling or whatever, it's a lot easier to point (laughs) to a blog or something like that. And plus as a way to house all this information that I've been collecting in my my reviews and other experiences on Instagram. And honestly, it's a really great way to interact with people on social media Mm -hmm. and in, in Facebook, because when they say, Hey, I'm going to Palm Springs, what are the places I should hit? Well, I can like copy my URL for my Palm Springs travel review and it goes right there and then it's a good review for that. So that's how the website's been going the last year and a half or so. And and again, a lot of collective stuff, not just on my type specifically, but also tiki stuff and rum stuff as well.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, I was just going to say, it's a really kind of well-organized website. So I love that you decided to take that extra step. It's funny mm-hmm. because you're talking about kind of the wild west era of, you know, late nineties websites. And it just brings me back to uh, I'm having nostalgia now for the days of my youth. And my I, I was probably in middle school around that time. And so my friends and I were making websites on like Angel Fire and Geo oh, and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Was oh. your was the original on one of those services or what what did that look like? I'm just curious now.
2: Well, the original the original uh, Lip Anonymous was on members.aol.com. Oh wow slash, you know. So that was but that was like ninety five. But so this was this was a proper website by the time it it it, okay. it actually launched. But it's so much easier now with this, all this blog software and WordPress and, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, I'm still doing blog stuff on the website as well. So you, if you want to consume it either on Instagram or on the website.
0: I think what's great about that, Kevin, is the idea of passion. It's a passion for you and it becomes a passion and you share that passion with others. One of the things I think we we all love about the the rum hobby is that there's so many of us out there that that have a passion, whether it's the rum, the tiki, the, the Mai Tais, the drinks, all of that, that works kind of cohesively together. And when we share that passion with others, it, it propels others' passions for. So uh, I love that you're doing that and I think it's great. and It is a really great website. So uh, speaking of the website, I know a lot of the information about the history of the Mai Thai is on there and that people can go there. But most of the people that listen to this are probably gonna be very familiar to some degree with the Mai Thai history. For those that might not, can you give us like the the 101 or 102 version of that and like, you know, the two minute version of what's the history of the Mai Tai,
1: tai? crash course for
0: yeah, the
2: uninitiated? Well, first, you know, one of the reasons we're talking about the Mai Tai is that it is a very rum forward cocktail. It features rum in a better way than it would with other types of cocktails that have a lot of extra juice and other ingredients. And we can talk about the recipes Mm -hmm. in a little bit, but basically going back in time, the Mai Tai was created in Oakland, California at the original Trader Vic's location in 1944. And according to the story, now we have to understand that Trader Vic could tell tall tales tell, back in the day. <laughs> he, he, had, he lost his leg as a child and, you know, he had like a wooden leg and he would often tell people he lost it, it got bitten off by a shark. So you got to take a, lot, a little bit of uh, Trader Vic's uh, stories here with a grain of salt. But the way the story goes, he was in his bar and he was looking for the next great cocktail, pulls down a bottle of 17-year-old Ray nephew rum from Jamaica, and he makes a special drink for some guests that are visiting from Tahiti. So he puts in the, the, the rum, lime sugar, orange curacao or orange liqueur, mm-hmm. uh, the orge syrup, which is an almond syrup. Vic had actually grown up as a French-Canadian background, and so he was familiar with this orgea, which is, you know, it's a French origin. Puts it all together, he hands it to the guests from Tahiti, and they exclaim, My Tyroi! and which in Tahitian means out of this world, the best. And so, mm-hmm. of course, then he names the drink the Mai Tai. And, you know, it's it's so funny, right? Like all these little details. Oh, they just happened to be coming into town. I just <laughs> happened to put this thing together. <laughs> and the drink is called the best, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, but, you know, it's it's entirely possible that he had guests over and he did a little riff on a daiquiri or a Santiago cock, uh, cocktail. And Voila, they named it a Mai Tai. You know, Vic was not stupid. Hey, you know, that's a pretty good name for a cocktail. And let's keep this on the menu. Right. Now, if you, if you ask Trader Vic's corporate these days, they'll say that the Mai Tai became an immediate hit after it debuted in 1944. But it's honestly not the truth. You know, it's buried in the menu on their uh, Seattle location in the late huh. 40s and early 50s. And really where the Mai Tai became the world famous Mai Tai is that Vic contracted with Mattson with the, the steamship lines. And they also ran uh, some hotels like the Royal Hawaiian in okay. Hawaii. And he provided food and cocktails to their uh, their hotel properties. And out of all these drinks that he put on the menu in the early 50s in Hawaii, the Mai Tai became the breakout hit, maybe because of the name, maybe because of the way it tasted. And it basically became super world famous because of if its existence in Hawaii, and then sort of came back to the States.
1: Was it still kind of uh, true to the original recipe at that point? Or had it kind of, you know, had like pineapple juice, like entered the chat at that, at that point? You
2: know, it, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little uh, difficult to tell based on the stuff I've gathered on that. Uh, as an example, we see from Jeff Beach Berry's books that the pineapple is in there as mm-hmm. uh, early as, or as late as 1972. Tritovic actually wrote a letter to a customer who asked for the recipe 1956 and the recipe he gave was basically the same 1944 style and so it didn't have the pineapple juice so maybe Vic was embellishing maybe they actually started pushing the the pineapple juice a little hard to tell Mm -hmm. but certainly when most people think of the Mai Tai they think of the one with pineapple juice and the dark rum float very iconic to look at yep and I think there's a lot of people that really like that cocktail most cocktail purists will say that they prefer the original 1944 recipe, which is a little bit more straightforward and especially focusing on better rum. Mm.
1: Yeah. I, I like the the Mai Tai I have sitting right here is is close to the it's it's the original nineteen forty-four recipe, but the one that I mentioned at the beginning of the show that first got me to be like, wow, that one that I had in Hawaii was very much a Hawaii mai tai. Like it had, pretty sure it had pineapple juice. It definitely had the dark rum float. But you know, it it, it wasn't it wasn't like one of the, like the you know doused in grenadine you know versions of the the mai tai. Uh, so it was it was it was a respectable Hawaii mai tai. You
2: know, absolutely respectable Hawaii mai tai is not bad at all. Yeah, when they're putting lots of orange juice and lemon juice and mm-hmm. passion fruit syrup and And all that grenadine, that's where it really gets devolved.
0: Bringing it back to you a little bit, Kevin, you referenced your first Mai Tai experience, but I wanted to know, was that a, a straight up Mai Tai, like original recipe when you first had it, or was it a different version of the Mai Tai? And how was that experience a little bit? And how did that translate moving forward for you?
2: Yeah, and you know that would have been a great question for me back in '97. Some of those details might be a little bit less hazy right now.
0: This is
1: a thousand but, mai tais or so well, ago. But, but, but my Pull recollection, a Trader Vic, can give us a story. Well, my,
2: but my my recollection, I think, is probably what how this kind of went down was that you know I had those mai tais in Hawaii. I'm like, okay, these are all right. And then, again, I started getting into the tiki thing, and so I wanted to go to visit some tiki bars and. We're blessed that still Trader Vic's, even the 90s and into today, has a great location in Emeryville, which is right at the freeway from us. And I must have had the Mai Tai there and thought, wow, this is a really good cocktail. And because it was coming from Trader Vic's, it was really good, Mm -hmm. even back then. And so I think that that's where it kind of started with all of this. Well, let's see if we can find some you know, other good Mai Tais. It was because I had a really good one at Trader VIX. Right.
1: And it Was was the Trader VIX recipe at that point, was it still like the original one or was it like, I, I think I recall reading something on your site about being able to order it at Trader VIX and say you want it the old way or something like that. So did they have like kind of multiple versions?
2: Yeah. So let's talk about the the, the components of the Mai Tais. Is it, it actually Yeah, definitely. We
1: should talk about that. Some Some yeah. people are probably listening. I'm like, what? I still don't know what's in a my <laughs> so, the, so the so the the
2: 1944 recipe is an ounce of uh, lime juice, half an ounce of the orange curacao, half an ounce of orgeat, a one quarter ounce of rock candy syrup, demerara syrup, rich simple syrup, something like that, along with two ounces of an aged rum, and we can talk about you know what type of rum there. Mm-hmm. So that's your sort of five ingredient of a mai tai shaken with crushed ice. Dump the uh, the ice into an old fashioned glass with the mint and the spent lime shell mm-hmm. to make like a little island country mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. type thing. And the way that Trader Vic's sort of started doing stuff, and I'm not sure exactly when this started, but certainly was employed back then, was that in a high volume restaurant they can save a step by combining the the orgeat and the curacao and the and the rock candy syrup into a concentrated Mai Tai mix mm. that at the time was only available for quote unquote industrial use. Okay. So they would have it in their restaurants and there was, you know, chain install is a chain of restaurants. Uh, and in theory, they could sell it to other people as well. So the idea was that you can combine uh, three quarters of an ounce of this super rich concentrate along with the, the lime juice in the rum, and then okay. you can make your, your Mai Tai faster. And so if you ordered a Mai Tai back then, that's what you would get. But if you... In the 90s, if you asked for an old way or scratch Mai Tai, they would actually make all the ingredients. Good news is because, again, even though Trader Vic's influenced a lot of this craft cocktail stuff with all these great recipes of, of the decades in the past, they're also following the trends of craft cocktails these days. And so if you go to the Emeryville Trader Vic's and you order a Mai Tai, you will get a scratch 1944 Mai Tai Okay. By default, under most circumstances, unless they're doing some sort of event or something where they have to do a lot of high volume stuff.
0: They've gone back to their roots.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you touched a little bit on two ounces of aged rum. And I think what the, the, the story, you know, that I, that I remember hearing is, you know, the legendary 17 year old Ray Nephew rum, uh, as well as an aged Martinique rum being the original components of the Mai Tai. And I might be getting that wrong, so feel free to correct me if I am. But so, so what is kind of the journey of the, the rum portion of the equation? Like, I know it started with that. Obviously, the, the 17-year-old Ray and nephew didn't stay around forever. That changed and evolved over the years. But I think for most people listening, you know, they, they maybe have a book like Smuggler's Cove that, that points out, you know, Jamaica Martinique as kind of being the, the go-to combination. Um, how do you see that? And what was kind of the evolution of that like?
2: Yeah, I think you know, looking at the evolution of the rums in the Trader Vic's formula, actually tells us a lot about how we can approach experimenting okay. with the Mai Tai. At home, and so as we noted, the original rum was the 17-year-old Rain nephew from Jamaica. So Mm -hmm. back then, for sure, super pot still aged tropical aging. So it would have been a really good rum. Now, again, according to lore, this the Mai Tai was so popular, they all the supplies of the 17-year-old ran out uh, really quickly. So they switched to the 15-year. Well, probably pretty pretty close, right? Then you know, even the 15-year starts starts to run out, and so Vic Vic thinks himself can't stop selling this drink. You know, maybe we can we can. And stretch the supplies of the 15-year by combining it with a lower-aged, sort of a black Jamaican rum, like Karuba or Red Heart at the time. Okay, okay. And so it's, you know, the first adjusted formula is an ounce of this 15-year-old and an ounce of the Karuba. And then... Later on in the 50s, he had the second adjusted ratio, according to Trader Vic's, which called for an ounce of Martinique rum to pair with an ounce of this Jamaican rum. And okay, by so then, that's
1: when that's when the Martinique enters yeah. the picture is, is a few years into it.
2: Yeah. And so Vic was already starting to do like sort of white labeling of Trader Vic's Mai Tai rums mm, okay. uh, by the 1950s, which working with Ray and Nephew and other companies back then. Now, this one ounce of Martinique, one ounce of Jamaican was published when the Vic had to uh, officially release the recipe due to a lawsuit with Don the Beachcomber. We can kind of talk about that. Mm. It was also published in the uh, widely influential 1972 Trader Vic's Bartender's Guide. But, you know, you think Martinique rum and you think Jamaican rum, you go to the liquor store. What kind of Martinique rum are you going to find? Rum agriculture. These days, it's going to be rum agriculture, right? You mm-hmm. can't find anything but rum ag- agriculture. Right. And even in the '60s and beyond, there were some references by Trader Vicks to uh, call for rum St. James, which is also an Agricole. Now, in this, in that Smuggler's Cove book, Martin Kate goes into some detail. If you read the essay, I was going to ask is,
1: you about this. I wanted to know where you where you fall on this debate.
2: Yeah, if you read the essay, which is conveniently reprinted on our website uh, with permission from Trader Vicks, he talks about this Martinique rum being nutty and snappy. And that in very dark coffee colored, which really isn't what you would think that you'd, what you would describe a Martinique. So mm-hmm. it probably wasn't a mar, uh, a, an agricole for Martinique. must've been some molasses based.
1: A rum traditionnel,
2: Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day though, whether you're being technically accurate to one or another of these different era specific rum ratios, the point is you, you want... Aged rum in the Mai Tai, and so you know you could look at something like Denizen Merchant's R- Reserve that was put together in conjunction with Martin Kate, where it has a lot of Jamaican rum, but also some of this molasses-based mm-hmm. um, Martinique rum, mm-hmm. all in one bottle, pre-mixed. Really That's actually handy. what's
1: in my Mai Tai right now. Um, yeah, this, I is, mean, this has been my first. Uh, I'm almost to the end of that bottle of Denizen Merchant's Reserve, um, and it's it's it makes a really good Mai Tai. I, I think in the past I was always a Appleton 12 year or reserve and Clement VSOP man. Uh, I still love that combination, but I've been like getting through this bottle of merchants reserve, um, and I might buy another one. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's good.
2: Well, that, well, those guys make good rum and, you know. you know, so I think, you know, what you decide to put into it is your own kind of spin on what you think, what kind of flavors you want to impart into the Mai Tai. So if you want to do something a little lighter, maybe use Barbados rum. And you know, if you really love lighter stuff, Cuban, Puerto Rican, whatever. Sure. Sure. You can make a Mai Tai with that. It does not really going to be punchy forward. My own personal rum blend. I I think it's important if you were a good quality tiki bar or rum place, you would want to make a statement with your rum blend. And yeah, you could pull Denizen off the shelf or Clement and, you know, Appleton is certainly mm-hmm, a great combination. Mm-hmm. That's what they use at uh, Lata 229, uh, the Beach Bum Berries bar out there in New Orleans. New Orleans. Orleans. Fabulous mm-hmm. Mai Tai. But, you know, a lot of these bars will want to put together their own special Mai Tai rum blend. And, and, you know, that's half the fun of going to a place that says, we this is our Mai Tai blend. So for me, what I decided to do was, my blend features four rums mm-hmm. that I put together in a big old one liter bottle and sort of mixed equal parts of. And it's Appleton 12, Smith and Cross, Plantation, Jamaica. So these are three Jamaican rums, yep. mm-hmm. definitely more pot still oriented. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last rum is the Plantation OFTD. So you've got, it's about a hundred proof. So, Hey, like a little bit boozy, you're definitely not going to miss the rum in this uh, rum blend because it is, it's so forward and it's deep aged and all that. So again, I think that what you've decided to put in your rum blend is up to you and can have the fun when you're exploring or, or entertaining guests whenever we get to do that again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) right. Speaking of exploring a little bit, when you purchase rum, do you try every rum you purchase in a Mai Tai? Is that like a goal of yours? And is that a way you explore? Or maybe a better way of asking the question is what are the markers you look for in a rum to get a sense of whether it should be used in a Mai Tai and how you do that?
2: That's a great question. And you know, there's a lot of people who probably talk about maybe that at a certain price point, you shouldn't be putting this in any sort of rum into a certain cocktail. So if you purchase something like, uh Hamden Great House as an example you guys talked about this on a past episode <laughs> yeah, right uh-huh. you know that's not a, it's not a cheap bottle of rum yeah but boy you tell you what man it's a really good <laughs> have Mai have you had a great and house it, Mai Tai? and, and if you Whoa. if you want to indulge a little bit as a special occasion i think it's you know that that rum for sure is a great one that i would put into my tie something like the 4 square exceptional cask series those rums i think would be less the kind I would put into a Mai Tai only because, especially something like the 2004, which I just love. It's so buttery on the palate, but it's, it, you know, the Hampton is really punchy and I mm-hmm. think it really bl- it works better in a cocktail in those kind of respects. Mm. So to answer your question, yeah, I probably do when I buy a rum, <laughs> I probably do put it in a Mai Tai, but that is also my shtick. So if you decide that you don't want to, it's fine by me as well.
1: So if you if you take something like Great House, which, John, do you recall what the proof is or the ABV? I feel like it's around like 59 or maybe That's over right. 60. I think um, you're right. It's right are you in just, there. Are you yeah. always just going to go the full two ounces kind of regardless of proof or do you kind of adjust the different components depending on the, the proof of the rum?
2: Yeah, I think unless it's a 151 or something like that, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't adjust it. Uh, you know, let's do it on its own. And again, I'm used to drinking 100 proof Mai Tais at home with my rum blend. So
0: It's funny you mentioned that too. I was going to say, so of the three of us, I have by far the least experience with Mai Tais and listeners know that I'm more of a sipper than a cocktail mixed drink drinker. But I was going to mention that with Mai Tais, I've had a few and I had one recently. Actually, Jay from the Florida Rum Society made me probably the best Mai Tai I've ever had. But Ooh. the one thing that I noticed with it. He used, I think, Hampton Overproof, by the way, as one of the rums. And uh, really, really phenomenal. So good, in fact, that I was knocked out drunk after one and a half of these in in front of my kids because we were just like we were in the hanging out in the backyard in Orlando for a weekend. And so I invited him over. And my kids, 12 and 13, you know, they're not stupid at that age, but they'd never seen me inebriated.
1: And so, you know, you're not supposed to tell on yourself on these podcasts, right? (laughs)
0: Well, we were look, we were at home. We're not driving in the backyard of this thing. But it was just I didn't expect it because, you know, I'm pretty well acclimated to alcohol. And, you know, I think I do pretty well when sipping. But the Mai Tai, obviously, the sugar uptake and all of the science behind that. I know that and I'm familiar with it. But man, Jay makes a a knockout one and it knocked me out.
1: Uh, Be Careful with the tiki drinks, man. You don't mess around with those.
2: If he if he's including that overproof in there, yeah, probably high ABV on that cocktail. So if you had more than one, it might have been a problem. Yeah, <laughs> it
0: was a, it was a problem. And, was, and you know, <laughs> a good problem.
2: knowing Jay, he might have given you a little extra. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's he a heavy it's a heavy handed two ounces, right? Um, it was a great day, though. Yeah, it's funny because I I saw someone post on the rum subreddit. Uh, they made themselves a mai tai, and I, they they had some clever name for it. But it was basically the gist was like, let's make like the the you know the most bougie, expensive mai tai I could make possibly. And so they used while uh, while remaining faithful to the aged Jamaican plus uh, aged Martinique. And so mm-hmm. they used Appleton Twenty One, and the not it's it's not Clamont VSOP. I think it's the Ten Year, which which I think is generally around like seventy bucks a bottle. And I happen to have both of those rums at home. And I'm usually pretty like precious about mixing, putting, putting <laughs> expensive rums in cocktails. Um, I, I just feel like bad about it when I do it. I'll do it sometimes, but I always, you know, I have that trepidation. But I was like, you know, whatever, I'm going to make this. The, the original cocktail had 17-year-old rum. I kind of want to see what this would taste like. I feel like it probably won't work and I won't like this that much. So I did the Appleton Twenty One and the Clamont Ten Year, and like my intuition was kind of like it was still good, but just like there was so much oak. Like that Appleton Twenty One, John, I know you've had that. Um yeah. Like it, it has a lot of oak in it, and and I was just kind of struggling with that that oak in the cocktail, and it really had me wondering, like w- like what did this taste like with seventeen year old rum? Like I, I, it's a question kind of lost to time, I guess. But it's it's one of those things that it would be so cool to be able to actually taste what that one tasted like, but would be way more expensive to be able to taste that now than even using Appleton 21. And because uh, I think those bottles, those unicorn bottles of Ray and nephew 17 year ago yeah. for like tens of thousands of dollars probably. So probably
0: Million not going to happen tai for tai you. yeah Probably not going to happen now. Kevin, like, have you ever had just, just to ask 17 year Ray and nephew Mai Tai? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, you know, I have plantation did a 17 year Rum last year or the year before, one of those oh, was that the Stephen Rimsburg one? That yeah, did? and I so I at Oakland the Tiki Bar at the Kon Tiki, they have a, a, a rum expedition. So if you drink 100 rums, you get your name on the wall and you get to try all these different rums. Oh, nice. Did it give you more than one night for that? Or no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't have a time limit. Some of these bars, you know, they, you have to do it all in a year, and that's crazy, especially really? if you miss by like a couple. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, when I completed that. A couple of years ago, I told everyone this is the night I'm going to finish. And I talked to the guys at the bar, and they put some drinks on the uh, on the um, on the menu specials for that night only. Oh, that's cool. And uh, Michael Goldman from Plantation brought a bottle of that Plantation rum, and man, it was pretty good, really, really good. And uh, it was really cool that he that he did that. But so you know, hey, if you want it, give it a try. But yeah, Appleton 21. See, that's that's the kind of rum that I probably would be less likely to yeah. put into a Mai Tai compared to something like the Hamden Great House, which, yep. again, I think it's the funkiness. Mm-hmm. So that funkiness combined with all the other ingredients really tempers down a little bit and you can taste the flavor without all those esters hitting you in the face.
1: Yeah, for for me, I need something like like Orgeat is such a, um, a a a powerful taste, I think. And so I need something that's going to like compete with that well. And I feel like that uh, a funky Jamaican, as opposed to a really long aged, oakier kind of rum, is more in my wheelhouse. So, but yeah, it was a fun experiment to try. And by the way, I wanted to circle back. You know, you talked about your rum blend. How long did it take you to arrive at kind of deciding on that as your house blend? And do you still try other things? Or are you like, no, I'm good. Like, this, this is it for me?
2: Well, it's interesting you ask it in that way. Actually, so <laughs> I, I had a previous blend with four different rums, and I switched out the El Dorado, and I had um, a Cloa Dark, and I went for some things that were a little bit more Jamaican oriented. And
1: okay, you know, I Klo- think, Kloa Dark is uh, it's, it's pretty it's, it's pretty sweet. Y- yes,
2: well, and the and the and the, the El Dorado Twelve is sweetened too. Yes, so I is, wanted something that was mm-hmm. that was drier, which mm-hmm. is why I went for these plantation rums that have no added sugar. And also to be more Jamaican oriented and, yeah. you know, I've been, you know, but tasting other combinations or whatever, and and that's fine. And I'll be honest with you without getting too political on the show here. I have been some concerned about some of the practices that plantation has been doing with respect mm-hmm. to the GIs for Jamaica and sure. Barbados. So I'm not sure I'm in a full throated um, endorsement situation with those guys. Although again, I find that Z- Jamaica, even with the continental aging, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, I think it's just a fabulous rum for 23 bucks or whatever it is. 100% pot stilled, some funkiness, but not too much. I think it's great. And of course, OFTD, Demerara style, overproof, uh, really flavorful. I love the rums. And I honestly wanted to get a new blend to announce here because of the situation. Oh, but I cannot you can't find top anything. It? I've, been, I've been putting together Hamilton's and oh, all these different things back in there um, to see if I can get something that's as good as my uh-huh. uh, blend or uh, obviously even better if it can be topped, but I don't have anything to announce today. And so, uh, you know, at some point I got to go with what I love and I'm not going yet. I'm not going to yet dump a brand just because of, some things that are going on, at least not yet. So but the search continues the search. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's, you know, the search for the ultimate Mai Tai, you know, it's in theory, never ending. Right. Yeah. As of today, the number one that I've ever had it, when I walked into a bar, give me my house, your house, Mai Tai was live 229. But tomorrow could be someplace else.
1: So I I, I want to kind of like break down some of the component parts of the Mai Tai for listeners who are, are trying to make them at home and kind of want to experiment and stuff. And I know you've done as much or more experimenting as as, as most people out there. So... I, I want to focus to start on the Orjot. So are you a big proponent of making it yourself? Or is there a particular, you know, store-bought brand that you lean on? Are there certain ones you stay away from? What's kind of your go-to uh, for Orjot?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think really Orjot is the key component that makes a Mai Tai Mai Tai. Uh, you see these variant recipes out there. Something's Mai Tai or something like that. If it, if it just doesn't have Orjot, it's really not a Mai Tai. Maybe we'll get to talk about yeah, that a little I, bit more. I,
1: I second that opinion. You got you. You have to have that 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 almond floral little bit to it to to, right. to make it a my die.
2: And, and I'll be honest with you, I am super 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 lazy when it comes to making my own syrups. <laughs> I don't even make my own simple syrup. Wow, really? Oh, so if if you're the type of person who loves to tinker in the kitchen, it is pretty easy to make orgeat and it can be excellent with things like almond milk and little orange blossom water and sugar and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have some recipes on the website.
1: Okay. We'll link those up. If,
2: if people you know want to do something like that, if, if that's what makes you feel good to make your own recipes, do it. If you're the type of person like me who's lazy and you don't want to be tinkering <laughs> or you maybe it didn't turn out so good the first couple of times you tried it, <laughs> you do not need to keep eating your head against the wall. There's all kinds of great orgeas that you can get in the marketplace. We recommend the Latitude 29 Orja it's a it's it's a syrup that's almond forward it tastes like almonds okay and it's very easy to work with it doesn't get cloudy it doesn't you don't have to shake it to get it going a lot of these craft brands that are out there it may be small
1: hands stuff small like small hands stuff is, like that. is
2: probably a good example which I don't love it, it you really have to shake it and work it in, in all this okay. stuff to keep it going and they talk about the reasons why for that and I respect those reasons, but I didn't want to deal with it. Mm. And I feel like some of those brands lean a little bit more in the marzipan direction that Mm. I don't, is not my taste profile. Mm. Um, So again, there's plenty of ones out there. We talk about a bunch on the website that we've tried or compared, comparison tested and all that sort of thing. BG Reynolds is pretty good. Uh, Lieber is good. Uh, I I
1: hear a lot of great things about Lieber & Co. from people. And I, I feel like it when, when I see what it looks like, it reminds me of the small hands, kind of the the the, the look and like kind of viscosity of it looks similar.
2: Yes. And, and it's, you know, the, compared to say the Glad 229 Lad229 29 is very clear. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for, uh, uh, if you're using white rums in your Mai Tai and you want it to look clean, you know, it's a better rum or a better orjah than the uh, labor would be, you know, and if you're, if worse comes to worse and you're using, you know, the Trader Vic's orgeat that you can get a lot of places like BevMo in these giant one liter bottles for eight bucks. You know, you're getting a lot of corn syrup and things like that in there. <laughs> Still not too bad. And even Tarani is not terrible if Ooh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to do something. And again, you've got limited options.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think for me, I've, I've done a little bit. Actually, the the one that I have kind of settled on as my store-bought brand, store-bought brand you didn't mention um, is the Jaffard. Um, mm-hmm. I actually don't know if it's Jaffard or Giffard. It's funny because I say GIF for like, you know, the internet uh, meme thing, but I say Jaffard for the or, mm. the Orzha makers. So. I'm, I'm a GIF person. Uh, oh, GIF, man. Yes. Okay. We got to fight about that another time. Yep. Um, I, you I know, wanna... I have,
2: a lot of people have recommended that Orja and I haven't had a chance to try it yet. It's sort of next on my list.
1: So I think what I like about it is it's it lasts for a long time like i don't know what they do to it and maybe i don't want to know but like the shelf (laughs) stability of it um like it'll you can have it outside of your refrigerator for like months on end and it it stays fine so um Uh but it is interesting because i think i I think the one kind of big brand and, and i think this company does a lot of other great stuff so i'm not trying to like belittle them but like the the bg reynolds orja was not For me, I felt like I couldn't really taste it that much. I couldn't get the almond in drinks. Um, The Jaffard, I definitely get the almond. Actually, so much so that this is one of the few store-bought brands that I go to only a quarter ounce of it instead of a full half ounce. Um, So I do kind of the Smuggler's Cove recipe. I don't make the rich simple syrup recipe that they do in the book. Um, I've actually lately been doing a quarter ounce of that Jaffard orgeat and a quarter ounce of the, the cane syrup, like the bottled cane syrup. I think it's from mm-hmm. Clamont uh, that, 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 that puts that the Hamilton, out. maybe? No, it's not the Hamilton one. Um, it's, it's one of the Spearabomb. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's in the sure. Spearabomb universe. I can't remember which brand it is, but... Um, and I'm really liking that. So I, I, I can recommend the, the Jaffard. But yeah, just making it... I don't mind making some stuff myself, but my issue with it is, is the the shelf life of it. If I make it myself, I know it's mm-hmm. only going to be good for a few weeks and I'm not, you know, I'm not crushing enough my ties over here by myself to do that. Mm-hmm. So I need something that's going to last a while in my cabinet and be okay. So absolutely. That's, that's how I land on it. So, to transition, orange orange curacao, orange liqueur, we haven't talked about as much. I think when most people start researching across the rum universe, there's kind of two things that come up pretty consistently. One is the Pierre Ferrand dry curacao, which is very good. Um, The other is the Clément Creole Shrub, which I've been Mm -hmm. seeing more. And that's actually what I've been using. I have a bottle of that now, so I've been kind of going through that, and I really enjoyed it in a Mai Tai. But I'm curious what your takes are in the Orange Curacao universe, what your go-to is, and and if you have other recommendations outside of those two that I just named.
2: Well, those two are really, uh, I think, top of the list. And, you know, Orange Curacao is essentially a, a variant of Triple Sec for all intents and purposes. So if you see a triple sec, and again, if you're in a situation where you can't find anything that some of these brands will maybe talk about, if you're using just regular old triple sec, that's definitely better than, you know, than nothing for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not a big agricole fan. I don't like, for example, there's a Hamilton shrub that is very, very grassy. and Okay. So kind of uh, agri forward. Yeah. And in fact, I was at, I was at uh, Smuggler's Cove a couple of years ago ordered a Mai Tai. They handed it to me. I tasted it. I thought, oh, something tastes funny. It's not like the great old Smuggler's Go of Mai Tai that I've had before. Tasted mm. it again, definitely off. And so I asked the guy, did you change your orange Curacao? And he says, yes, we did. We're using Hamilton now. Wow. You picked it and, up. Whoa. And
1: that's ultimate Mai Tai status. Right? Yeah, it is.
2: It, and I said, well, it's not an improvement. And and then they, they've actually switched back to to the front, fr- 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 dry Curacao. And so, um, you know that those are those two brands. The the Clement, which which is agricole based, but is not as grassy at all. It really is. Gotta...
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Being Clement, it it has, and it says on the bottle like rum agricole base. But yeah, you, you don't if you just try it on its own, it's not super grassy. Um, has kind of a nice like spice character to mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 nice. I like it.
2: I like Contrô also, and um, Drueland, I think is a total wine budget brand. And it's actually pretty good. Hmm, nice. um, Senior Curacao is actually, they claim to be the original Curacao and they're based there or something. I don't know. I found it to be too sweet, but they, you know, they're a brand that's out there and, and kind of expensive, but you know, you're only going to be using it if you're using it for my ties or, or cocktails, you're only going to use a quarter ounce at a time. Yeah. So if you spend 25 or $30 on the bottle, it's not like you're going to be going through and having to respend over and over and over again. And I would always recommend going a little bit beyond into yep. a more of a little bit of a budget or beyond the budget for some of these drinks. Mm-hmm. If you want the quality to be good. Now, if you're making a big old punch for a party and people don't really care. Yeah. Buy the yeah. low end shelf and, you know, mix it in whatever. But any of those brands we just talked about, I think are all high quality and really work great in a Mai Tai. Now, when you, you know, this orja this Curacao, this rum combination, do they always work together? Not necessarily. And again, that's half the fun of getting your house Mai Tai recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, at our house, we use this, rec- this rum blend, this bourgeois, this curacao, and they work great together. Uh, might be different from the three that you might pick.
1: Your mileage may vary. Right.
0: So Kevin Crossman, ultimate Mai Tai tip number one is don't skimp on any of the ingredients,
2: right? <laughs> no, don't skimp. And, but also don't feel like you have to go to, you know, a $80 bottle of rum when it, something like Denizen, which is 25 bucks, would right. be just great. But, you know, the $25 rums are a lot different from the $10 rums. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so
1: it's a giant leap forward. Yeah.
2: The other thing we probably should mention when we're talking about components, um, the original uh, recipe that Trader Vic's put out was the, quote, juice of one lime, unquote. Right, right. And a lot of people are like, oh, just squeeze the lime and it's done. How big well, were limes back then? Well, how big were limes back then, but also how juicy were they, how juicy were they? But also when you go to the store and you just pick random limes, you could go from a half ounce, maybe uh, to almost two ounces, depending on the size of the rum. And if you think that the Mai Tai is going to taste the same with these two different limes, you're fooling yourself. So you have to go with a measured amount. And in the Trader Vic's rum cookery and drinkery book, he defined the juice of one lime as an ounce. Okay. So, it, according to Trader Vic's, it would be an ounce. Now, we know a lot of people who go to three quarters. And again, if depending on what you're playing with, with you know how sweet your other ingredients are, if you're using less orja mm-hmm. and you have less lime juice, well, then it's then those c- things are kept in balance that way.
1: I'm, I'm a three quarters ounce man myself. Um, so, maybe that is, maybe that does have to do with why I prefer the quarter ounce of Jaffar Orja in this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: And as you mentioned earlier, I think Kevin, tip number two would be has to be fresh lime juice. I think everybody that listens to this show is going to agree that's not like gonna that, have an issue that, with that. That's that, so like
1: but. that. That's so recommended. It's not even on the tip list. It's it, just it, like, right. It's, it's just like a prerequisite basic, before right? you get to the tips.
0: Yeah. But Kevin, you you mentioned a few different places already, I know, nearby you that uh, have really great Mai Tais, Latitude 29, you mentioned, and some other ones. And I know you've been searching now for the ultimate Mai Tai since at least 2017, right? Yep. Have you found it yet? And if so, can you tell all our listeners, where do they go to get the best Mai Tai ever?
2: Well, okay, so I have sort of two lists. One is the Mai Tai you get if you just go in and order their standard. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we talked about that at 229 um, Rumba in Seattle is a rum mm. bar
0: mm-hmm. yeah. fantastic my time there super good things about that whole place yeah
2: Yeah, Smugglers Cove is, is great uh, the Kalani Hotel in Hawaii is sort of a little bit of a different riff um, mm-hmm. it's still 44 style but they, they they put a dark rum float on there and it's the proportions are a little bit different mm-hmm. and then uh, my number number five out of the box is in Los Angeles. Ooh, the name is escaping me. Lono. They have like six rums in their rum blend. Oh wow! So you know, again, they're making a statement with the yeah. with the rums. Yeah. Now, personally, I find that if I go to a bar and they give me a mai tai, I I might like it, and I'm sometimes will order a second one with just Appleton 12 or something along those lines, and often to me it tastes better. So, really, the best mai tai you're going to get is the mai tai you're going to get at a bar you frequent. Where the bartender knows your tastes and preferences. Hmm. So, as an example, the the best mai tai I've ever had ever was at the Kon-tiki. Uh The bartender Terry Six had been there for a few years, and he really knew what I liked. He knew I looked a little extra sweet, and he was you know, doing his going away because he was moving. So there was sort of a party for him, going away party, and asked for an ultimate mai tai from him, and he remembered. Back when we had the special menu, we knew exactly the rums to put together, a little extra orgeat, and man, that Mai Tai was fantastic. Uh, but it was made specifically to my taste palette preferences <laughs> because the guy knew me and knew what I liked, right? Yeah. And so build a relationship with your bartender of choice, tip generously, and eventually you might get a you know the perfect Mai Tai for you at your favorite watering hole.
0: That's a really great idea. Yeah, I, I love that, obviously, at a larger level than even just the Mai Tai, but it, it makes total sense that once a, the bartender, you get to know the bartender, they get to know you, you're going to get something there
1: that's going to you're going to enjoy. And tip tip generously is a good maxim at all times, mm-hmm. but especially right now, as, as so many bars are kind of trying to get back on their feet right now. So good, good, uh, timely words of wisdom.
0: Yeah. So Kevin, we've talked about the Mai Tai recipe. We've talked about all the components. So relative to all of that, how tolerant are you for variations of the Mai Tai for the recipe? And where is the line between what should be considered someone's take on a Mai Tai? versus a recipe that is like something that is just not a Mai Tai. It's different entirely.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think that a lot of cocktail snobs, and I consider myself to be one, um, you know, <laughs> it's it's always a bummer when you don't get what you want it, yeah. depending on where you are. And at the same point, though, you should not go into a Chili's or an Applebee's and expect to get the same kind of <laughs> Mai Tai that you're going to get at a rum bar with 500 rums, right? Yeah. So, you have to set your expectations accordingly. Now, if the place builds themselves as craft cocktail, if, you know, they say we've got the best cocktails, if they say that their Mai Tai is world famous, which is, Ooh. that's, mm. a that's, a that's when you say your Mai Tai is world famous and it sucks, you will hear from me. And, you know, I will give you a negative review. And whereas some other places I might just not mention it or something like that, right? I mean, you're putting yourself out there that your Mai Tai is world famous. And it's you better back full, it up. Of, full of these other things. It, you, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think, if you, especially if you label the the ingredients on your menu, so people know what they're getting, yeah, they see pineapple, they see orange juice, they can make a choice about whether they want to have that style mai tai or not. Right, right. So I think as long as there's orange and rum, ideally some sort of orange liqueur, I'd be pretty tolerant. If it's they say mai tai or some variant thereof, or you know name of bars mai tai or something mm-hmm. along those lines, as an example, I was in um, San Diego this past weekend, and the Bali High restaurant, they have a their mai tai is world famous, but for the wrong reasons because it's like literally five <laughs> ounces of five ounces of rum, a tiny splash of verja, tiny splash of five ounces sour. of rum, wow, tiny splash of triple sec. So is it technically, good? technically it's a Mai Tai, right? It's got all those little things just in the wrong proportions, <laughs> the proportions era. and th- those Mai ties will kill you. And I I was feeling it all day after we went there for lunch and I, you know, I took kind of took one from the team. I knew I wasn't going to like it that much, but I thought, well, I got to try it. So, you know, it is a Mai tie. It's just not my preferred Type
1: of mai tai. I have to ask real quick. Being the ultimate mai tai guy, do you feel a pressure to always get the mai tai when you go into a bar that has it on the menu? I was thinking the same or like, thing, Will. like yeah. Do, yeah, do you ever have a trip where you don't order a mai tai at, uh, you know, a tiki or a rum-focused bar?
2: There's places I go where I don't order the Mai Tai, but it, I never feel any pressure like, oh God, I have to have Mai Tai. No, that's <laughs> like, the whole point. That's my
1: point. Taking it a little too serious. I love getting
2: the Mai tai. That's That's my whole thing. Even if I know it's going to be terrible. I, yeah. I often will order the Mai Tai just because.
0: So you like walk into like Nick like Dingy Bar X and you're just like, oh my God, this already looks like a bad idea. But you know what? Give me a Mai Tai. <laughs>
2: when when Applebee's had that $1 Mai Tai uh, about I a year a so ago, oh we, we went, was it? We went was specifically. It? <laughs> well, for a dollar, there was a pretty good amount of booze in it. And we had a good time. We had, you know, sat at the bar and we had some. Bar pretzels and some other stuff. I mean, that really wasn't a Mai Tai though. I mean, that thing was. Do you
1: remember? Do you remember at all? Kind of like the what the breakdown probably was of ingredients on the the one dollar Applebee's Mai Tai promotion?
2: I was like you know Bacardi and a splash of juice in here and a splash of juice there, and mm-hmm. here you go, you oh. know.
1: Yikes.
0: All right. Well, so taking off of that thinking a little bit, we, we, we wanted to come up with this idea that we could have a little bit of fun with. And uh, it's a game basically where what we want to do is Will and I are going to take turns asking you if something is a Mai Tai in your opinion or not a Mai Tai. What we're going to do is we're going to read off the recipe to you. We're just going to give you the ingredient list and the proportions. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to respond to that. And you're going to say, yes, it's a Mai Tai. No, it's not a Mai Tai. And you give us the, the reason why.
1: And, and may, maybe give us your give, give us your take on would you want to try it or not as well? Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. So here here's number one. All right. Here's the the ingredient list: two ounces of spiced rum, one ounce orange curacao, one ounce pineapple juice, the juice from one lime, <laughs> one ounce grenadine, and
2: maraschino cherries. Not in my time. There's no <laughs> orange in it. and you're so far off in some of the proportions on the other stuff that you can't
1: get close. How are you feeling about that one ounce of grenadine?
2: Um, I probably like that better than the two ounces of spiced rum, to be honest. Ooh, wow.
1: (laughs) A strong take, but I respect it. Speaking of strong, so here's recipe number two. (laughs) One and a half ounces of Campari, three-quarter ounces of Jamaican rum, preferably Smith & Cross, half-ounce orange curacao, one ounce of lime juice and three quarters ounce of orgeat.
2: If you label it some sort of jungle bird, my jungle bird, or something, I would say I might be interested in trying it. But it is definitely not my type. I love where I'm your head's at. It.
1: So that is actually that's one of my favorite mai tai. I call it a mai tai variation. It's called a bitter mai tai because with the yeah, ounce and a half of Campari, it is bitter. Um, mm. But yeah, a fun a fun play on the mai tai. All right, here's the here's the next one. One ounce
0: white rum, one ounce aged rum. We already know there's problems with that to begin with, Mm but okay. One ounce lime juice, three quarters ounce orgeat, half an ounce of orange liqueur, Cointreau. Shake with ice, strain into a Collins glass, add one and a half ounces of an IPA beer and garnish with a cherry.
2: Not a Mai Tai again (laughs) because of the beer, but that's uh, pretty close. And that would be interesting to try. Yeah,
0: I mean it would might be interesting, but I have to agree. I don't know if I call that a Mai Thai. They they actually call that one a Mai Thai PA, which is a nice title. Sure, but, sure. But uh yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think I, I don't know that I I think that qualifies. It's an I, interesting thing. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I respect the, the the ones where it's like a nod to the to the Mai Thai, you know. So they have Mai Thai in the name, but they're not just billing it as a Mai Thai. Right, um, right. Whether it's bitter Trying Mai, to tai, it Mai, yeah. Mai Tai. Pass it off. My Mai Thai PA. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the IPA one. I'm actually I, I buy beer so rarely now. Um, I actually had I went to a brewery yesterday, and I was like, God, I never drink beer. This is what rum, rum has like decimated my beer intake. I'm, I'm you know I'm not upset about it. So, <laughs> um, well, well, Kevin, this has been great. I like like as I said, my ties are near and dear to my heart. I hope what what listeners take away from this episode, what I'm taking away from you is kind of like experimentation while remaining somewhat in the wheelhouse of what a mai tai is supposed to be is kind of like mm. what it's all about and 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 you know half the fun is trying different rums trying different proportions to find like what your ideal mai tai is one, one thing that i'm taking away is is having more of a conversation with the bartender about what kind of mai tai you like i'm going to try to do that a little bit more as we are getting closer to being able to spend more time interacting face-to-face with the bar community, which I'm very much looking forward to. John and I are no, I know are both halfway vaccinated. So we're getting closer yes. uh, every day. Can't to, wait. Yeah, exactly. So, um, before we go, um, I know you've, you've listened to the show before, so, you know, we always like to do, we, we actually, we kind of just put you through a little, you know, <laughs> weird fun game, but we're going to throw another one on top of that with our double dose. Yeah. Double dose with, uh, our rapid fire round, uh, as always, John likes to, to bring the heat with this round. So if you are up for it, John will run you through some rapid fire questions, and I will put 60 seconds on the clock and uh, we'll, we'll see how many you can get through. How does that sound?
2: This will be the highlight of my month to do at the, top, <laughs> the <laughs> Did rapid you say fire a round. <laughs> Highlight, highlight of the month. Of the month? And oh I'm, my getting God. Vaccinated, I'm getting vaccinated
0: tomorrow, so. Excellent. And now I feel more pressure than you somehow with this <laughs> you live to, to live, live this. up to yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, my you're goodness. Competing,
1: you were competing with a, a, a miracle of modern medicine right now, John. So whenever <laughs> whenever you're ready, I've got 60 seconds.
0: All right. Neat or on the rocks? Rocks. Column, pot, or blend? Pot. Aged or unaged rum? Aged. Molasses or cane juice? molasses alright you've just lost a bet and have to get a Mai Tai inspired tattoo does it say <laughs> pretty fly for a Mai Tai my Mai Tai brings all the boys to the bar or Mai Tai till I die of those three Mai Tai till I die uh,
1: okay. <laughs> I was afraid that one was going to be too good compared to the other <laughs> options the other one's really embarrassing
0: your favorite person to share a Mai Tai with
2: I guess my wife, uh, although she always goes for the pina coladas type drinks, so Ooh. it's a nice combo that way. Okay, I like that.
0: It, if a Mai Tai was outlawed in the USA tomorrow, what mixed drink would you begrudgingly shift your focus to? <laughs> Planner's Punch. Okay. Ooh. Oh. All right. Name a rum that might not be one most people would think to use in a Mai Tai, but actually works really well.
2: St. Benevolence Rum Clarin is Ooh. excellent.
0: Wow, uh, really? Nice. We'd have to talk about that a bit. The best place on earth to enjoy a good Mai Tai for you. Uh, great tiki bar. Trader Vic or Don the Beachcomber? Trader Vic. All right. Here's a 10-second idea pitch. A YouTube series called My Thai Crossfire with host Kevin Crossman, where each episode you put a different rum in the crosshairs and answer the question, does it my Thai? Are you in or out? I'm in. All right. yes, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wait, All so,
1: right. I have to circle back because you said planner's punch, and I know that that's one of those recipes that like there's a million variations of, of what goes into a planner's punch. But I love that recipe that's in Smuggler's Cove, which has the quarter ounce of allspice dram. Um, like, what is your kind of what's your go to planner's punch? Because that's mine, and I absolutely love that drink.
2: Well, you didn't ask me, but the best rum comes from Jamaica. So Planter's Punch is right up my alley there. That um, is a you know, usual
1: th- wow, bonus points for, for recognizing a usual rapid fire question that John did not put in there. Mm, that's nice. awesome. Yeah.
2: You know, I, that's a pretty good recipe. I actually prefer the Remsberg Planter's Punch recipe that Jeff Beechman-Berry has in his books and stuff. It's it, it's a little bit more simple. It's basically simple syrup and lime and mm-hmm. good, good. I think Karuba
1: ramb- is the ramen calls for ramb- specifically.
0: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people in Florida have been searching for that lately, I know. The Caruba's hot down here.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I actually um, Karubo is one of those rums that I never saw at all, and I've just recently been seeing it in some places here in Nashville. So I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. It, it's one of those that, like, I'm curious. to Get your take. How different is it from something like Myers, for example? Like, is it a lot better than
2: Myers? It is better. Okay. Some people say it's a lot better, and I am not one of those people. Okay. I might, I might
1: just have to try. I mean, it's it's not expensive, so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a bottle and, and do a little cocktail experimentation. Yeah. But, um, uh, Kevin, this has been great. Like I said, everyone, uh, if you're listening check out uh, ultimate There's, we'll put some links in the show notes. There's all kinds of my um, Thai adventures, my Thai history, um, and not just my Thai stuff. There's stuff beyond that too. So uh, check it out, Kevin, we can, we can find you on Instagram as well. Uh, is as that right? Ultimate
2: my Thai. Yep.
1: Ultimate my Thai on Instagram. So um yeah, thank, it. Thank you so right. much for, uh, for stopping by and, and enlightening us on, uh, on, on all your my Thai wisdom. We appreciate it.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. all
1: right thanks everyone for listening to another episode like we said you can find all the links to kevin's website ultimatemaitai.com in the show notes we'll link up some of that stuff i'll pull out some of those you know articles on on maitai history and stuff like that so it's easy for you to find those But as I said in the introduction, we want to hear your ultimate Mai Tai recipes. What are you doing at home? What rums are you using? What are your go-to store-bought or homemade orgeat recipes? Uh, If if you're not lazy like me and Kevin, what's your recipe that you're using at home? And uh, we'd love to see that. So uh, share it on social media. Send us an email, host at rumcast.com. But, you know, whatever your jam is, do that. But, John, on that note, where can they find us on social media?
0: Well, you know, Will, you have to go to uh, Instagram. We're at Rumcast on Instagram and we're also on Facebook. Uh, again, we're 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 easing into Twitter. Will easing it into it right Twitter? now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. Sliding into the, the Twitter realm, maybe is a good way to say it. <laughs> okay. um, Are we on TikTok yet? We're we're not. You know, I thought about doing a video. Uh, don't tempt me. Well don't, don't want to have you. A, no, I don't
1: want to see what the Rumcast TikTok content is.
0: I, I will need a My Tire too. Jay's My Tie <laughs> before I get to,
1: TikTok yeah. <laughs> if anyone has um, any yeah, TikTok yeah. tips hit us up with those
0: that's right and uh, <laughs> and make sure to, to reach out to us on social we love the conversation and keep that sense of community going it really keeps us going too so thank you and and share a, a, some feedback with us too make sure if you're you're listening to this uh, and you've listened to a few episodes now now's the time stop give us that five star rating make sure other people can find us too and, and we really appreciate that very much so uh, that's it for me Will anything else before we get out of here
1: no, I, I, I might go downstairs, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sitting on one my Tai. I'm contemplating a second, so we'll, we'll see where the night takes me. <laughs> Do but, it. Uh, it, it. Until next episode, uh, uh, we'll talk to you then.
0: Alrighty.